This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly sponsored by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. As a city supporter, we know you value delivery, and McDelivery is up there with the very best. You'll always be winning with McDelivery because just like Kevin De Bruyne, McDelivery puts your order right on a plate. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered as well. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for you tomorrow. Only via the app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Roll up, roll up. It's the first listener question special of the season. I'm joined by two reprobates to answer your burning queries and hopefully have a little bit of fun along the way. It's Wednesday the 23rd of August. I'm Amos Murphy. I'm Lee Bartley. I'm Ollie Kerr. And this is the City Report Podcast. Well then, folks, it should be good and listen to questions. It's where we get to take the handbrake off. There will be some serious questions, of course, but stick around for plenty of fun. Um, before we get into things then, if I could just ask a big favour for all our lovely, loyal listeners. We're hoping, uh, fingers crossed, I don't know what our chances are, but we're hoping to be nominated for the Football Content Awards in the best Premier League podcast category, obviously. As you can imagine, there are some big hitters in there, but we would love it if you could vote for us in the preliminary round. Head over to our Twitter. Our pinned tweet is where you'll find the instructions, and it will hopefully give us a lovely night out and potentially even win the award. This episode is brought to you by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds, small-town Welsh football club, is fighting for a chance at promotion. These two Hollywood stars lead a team in the midst of history in the making, while dedicated staff and supporters hold on to a dream of returning the team and this working-class town in Wales to glory. FX's Welcome to Wrexham premieres September 12th on FX. Stream on Hulu. Hey, Spotifyers, click or tap the banner to listen to Rap Caviar, the freshest 50 hip-hop songs on the rawest playlist ever. Brought to you by our friends at Stars and the new season of Power Book 4, Force. Watch now, only on Stars and the Stars app. We'll get into it then straight away because we, uh, we've been inundated, as usual, with questions. I want to start with this one from Joe Ricci, nonetheless. And um, Ollie Kirsch, it seems to be specifically directed at you. It, it says, can you rank the previous John Stones paint trophy winners? Um, I believe I'm reliably informed there has been one. Do you know who it was, Oliver? Uh, I don't recognise 
<laughs> the validity of that event, nor the outcome. Agreed. Right, so. No validity in that event whatsoever. It was a sham from start to finish. Every listener should yeah. know. I don't know why. I don't know why you're piping up, Luke. You got <laughs> we, beat we, by it. We have, we have no independent adjudicators. We have no independent board of control. We have no appeals panel or independent appeals panel. So I don't reckon... I mean, you might say that there was a winner, but I don't recognise the award. Sorry. <laughs> that, is, that is already one of the best head losses we've ever had, and we're only about <laughs> two minutes in. Um, but there is, a, there is a genuine question from Joe. Uh, we will get to some listener questions, but he does, he does caveat it with a genuine question. So, Luke, you can take it straight away. Um, do we foresee the deployed formation against Newcastle with Foden tucking in from the right and Walker being a right-wing outlet sticking around how does it impact the other uh, wingers minutes do we have enough creativity with the setup or will we eventually do you think luke fall back into that sort of free at the back let's call it a free at the back because there's all sorts of names we can say but um that we saw city have so much success with last season obviously a few pieces of that are out injured but i did find it very bizarre seeing kyle walker deployed as a right winger i have to say against newcastle it was bizarre but it worked i suppose you can't really Say anything more, and then it worked. I can't see us. I can't see it being a full, a full sort of time formation. Really, we we are stricken by injuries. We're stricken by sort of playing squad, the size of it at the moment in time. So, I, I can't see us playing it for the full season. Um, but at this moment in time, if it's working, it's working. Why not carry on with it? I did like it, but yeah, as you were saying, mm. I, I I feel like going back to. The three at the back, the double pivot, the square, the whatever people are calling it nowadays. Um, it's how we dominate and control games. Well, as we showed it last year. We keep the ball very well. We're the best team on the ball in the Premier League, in my opinion. I can see us carrying on with that moving forward. But if you also think about it, if you look at the Premier League at the moment, there's quite a few teams who are also playing the same formation. So is this what is this Pep's way of tinkering, keeping managers on the on the toes, I hope so. Mm. Um, but yeah, I feel like Foden cutting inside was just—he was sublime, wasn't it? Like mm. he was just unreal. I, I, he there's not, there's not, there's not many words that won't describe him. He, he's, he was just—he put in an all-time great performance, and I, just, yeah. and I can't wait to see him cutting inside more often. Just, just sorry, Amos. Before we, before we move on, there's just something I wanted to know about Foden. So I, I sit in the Colin Bell, um, so. The first half, Foden was operating, cutting in from my side. And I was watching mm. very closely throughout that first half. And there were a lot of instances where he was sat in a pocket of space, but with four players around him, begging for the ball, whether it was from Walker, from Rodri. And a lot of times he didn't get it. And I think he's such a unique talent in that he's so comfortable receiving the ball with three, four, even five pairs of legs around him. But we are so used to this system where we pass into space, we pass into safety a lot of the time and we don't play that risky ball until we're kind of looking for that killer ball into the box. And almost similar to the adjustments we needed last season to play the ball into Haaland where he wanted it rather than where the system dictates it, we're going to see something similar with Phil. Because on the occasions where he did receive the ball in what any normal human being would consider a dangerous space, 
on the half turn, the pivot, that first touch, giving him into space and then you know, opening up the opportunities ahead of him just because of how well he receives the ball under pressure. Uh, so it will work, but the, the players around him have to have the confidence to give him the ball in the what what we would perceive to be a dangerous space but the kind of space that he thrives in similar to David Silva in that sense he he can create opportunity from danger and that's that's where he's going to really going to excel yeah i really i echo that i really hope we start seeing him in those positions a lot more i think he's he's absolutely sublime um just to round off the question from joe um i would be surprised if we saw this formation as the go-to for no other reason really than the fact it would probably require kyle walker to play upwards of 40 games per season and, and i'm not sure that's going to be the case unless of course jeremy doku comes in and, and operates as that sort of wing back i guess is the best sort of name we sort of are familiar with I don't know um, I, I would expect when the likes of John Stones come back and the other bits and bobs Bernardo Silva I would expect us to revert to the back three um, here's a question that sort of ties into it and, and Oliver it was similar to what you were saying so, so I'll throw it to you straight away but it comes from Cyprus P and they ask us how do we get more service to Haaland without Kevin De Bruyne will Phil Foden obviously have to step up and fill the void now we covered this well in the last sort of one minute when you you sort of hinted at it but we also covered it in the last two shows and I'll tie in a separate question to this but the addition of Jeremy Doku I think is somebody who I think it was Joe himself mentioned it is somebody who looks like he's being signed to to help that creativity in terms of Haaland in essence are City short on creative assets or will they still be able to feed Haaland in Kevin De Bruyne's absence I think in Kevin De Bruyne's absence we have three prime primary creators for Haaland one will be Doku, as you mentioned, he will create that wide threat, you know, perhaps getting down the line, cutting inside, uh, cutting the ball back, almost similar to how um, how Sterling's operated in the past. Um, I'm trying to think of who else we've had of a, of a similar profile uh, over the James years. James Milner? Milner, possibly, maybe even Jesus Navas. Oh, he definitely was not cutting <laughs> balls back for strikers. He was Navas. cutting them back. Yeah, he was cutting them back, but they weren't for strikers. They were for the opposition midfielders. No, no, no. When, when, the cross. Yeah, no, no. When he was actually striking the ball to aim at the net, he was effectively cutting it <laughs> yeah. back for a striker. So, yeah. But, no, that, 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 that profile of player that we use that where they're just going to be very direct. And I, I hope that we don't see... Um, and admittedly, and I said this earlier, I don't know that much about Doku, but I know that he will be providing us uh, a different type of threat that we have at the moment in the squad. Um, so that's number one. Number two will be Foden in those in those half spaces. I mean, Dan Byrne didn't know what to do. He didn't know where to go, where Does to stand, who to follow in that first. So, come on, give, give the guy a bit of credit, right? Newcastle, Newcastle are a fantastic defensive unit. And still, at the Etihad, they limited us and limited us to one goal and Erling Haaland to zero. So, but he, he had a bit of a tough time. And I think if we are providing Foden those passes in those dangerous half spaces where it's going to pull the midfield back to cover him and pull a full-back or centre-half forward, that's going to create gaps for Haaland to run into when we're kind of tight on space in the final third. When the game's a bit more open, one man, Kovacic. I think he is... We've we've seen flashes of it already, but 
that man knows how to find a 30-40 yard pass uh, and if he develops an understanding with Haaland for the runs in behind if the game's a little bit more open and we're playing against the side more willing to push up and press then he's uh, he's going to be the man so three different ones funnily enough De Bruyne can do all three um, operating kind of that half false nine role operating the role of, of getting to the byline and pulling it back or those 30 40 yard passes but across the three of them between Doku, Foden and Kovacic uh, we've got that creativity and I don't foresee uh, a deficit going forward yeah uh, yeah I, I agree um, I just want to sort of highlight quickly then Luke because we haven't had a chance to speak about this the the guys on Tuesday showed a fantastic job about Jeremy Doku but what do you make of the signing because it's um now, I had some interesting comments, let's say, on a tweet I put out about, I said it's it's one of the stranger signings of the Pep Guardiola era in the sense that, I'm not going to call them red flags, but there are parts of it which don't make sense. And in, in, in a way, that makes it all the more exciting because it's it's not what we've been accustomed to. You know, we were told all along it's going to be a very ball-dominant, controlling, um, effective in possession midfielder. And, and this is... Jeremy Doku, make no mistake, no matter how much you've watched of him, five seconds watching a clip of him, you'll know he's a maverick. Now, I got accused of some wild things, xenophobia, racism for suggesting this, which is obviously bollocks. And, and I do thank those people who came to my uh, support. And, you know, there's a lot of nonsense online. And that was probably one of the first times I've, I've really come to terms with it. But to come back to it that it is it is an interesting signing there is there is aspects to it which don't necessarily on the surface make sense but you know I don't think anyone could argue that it's a profile City have lacked obviously not trophy wise but at certain points in games over the last 12 18 months since Raheem Sterling left since even going back to Leroy Sane since he left as well it is exciting I think exciting is the right way to describe it at this moment in time Uh, mainly because he doesn't play in one of the top four leagues, which I find really exciting for me. Because personally, I'm 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 not a reporter. I don't watch Liga every week. Weirdly, shockingly, barely barely watch most of English football. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> no. But if, if it, it's exciting because it's a bit of going into the unknown. Like usually with City, mm. we we're, we're like a well machine with our transfers. And sometimes it can be a bit boring. Like everyone knew conversation was happening for three or four weeks beforehand. We know what we're getting. It's obvious. Whereas this Doku doesn't fit the mould. He doesn't fit what we usually would go for in this position. He is a young, vibrant sort of player from what I've seen online. And I feel like the youth aspect is what's most important. People are missing the fact that we've just replaced and ageing Riyad Mahrez with a young, exciting talent who's only going to get better. I think that's what the vibe is with the backroom staff. That's what they're trying to go for at the moment. They want to bring a bit of youth in, try and freshen up a little bit. Um, And I think this is a step in the right direction for me. Bit of a gamble, I could appreciate with a high price tag, but we've seen the high price tags really come in and really hit the ground sort of running with City. So I don't see how... Playing in the team with Phil Foden, Erling Haaland and Rodri is going to make you worse than playing in Liga. And the stats in Liga show us he's a very, very good player. Yeah, I think it was something like over 100 completed take-ons last season or whatever time frame it was. It was it was a lot. <laughs> and he's obviously... I, I think one thing that will um, people will start to realise a little bit more, obviously people have been noticing his pace, his directness, but... 
for those I've, I've had the pleasure of watching him probably since uh, Euro 2020 slash 2021 um, when he broke on the scene with Belgium and, and he's a very technically gifted player he, he isn't all pace raw talent in that sense you know he can he's, he's two footed isn't he uh, he, uh, well, yeah, to 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 an extent, he's primarily right-footed, but he, there are mm. occasions where you know he, he's happy to go down on his left and, and side as well, which is obviously, I think City have quite a lot of left-footers. Ollie McCool mentioned this uh, yesterday, but the the right-footed element's really exciting because he can play either side, left and right. Mm. So it'll be um be a really intriguing mm. signing, I do have to say, and that's obviously one to watch. Price tag notwithstanding, but. Who isn't paying big money for players at this moment in time? Um, Oliver, then you can hit us off with this one. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting question from Radar Two HZ, long time listener. They ask, how do we lift the curse of our revolving door of injuries at centre back? Now, obviously, we'll we'll include John Stones in this because while he's a hybrid midfielder in the system we spoke about before. He is currently out injured and it looks like he's going to be out injured until after the international break. He joins the likes of Ruben Diaz, obviously. Um, he was concussed, so it's a different type of injury, but he spent time on the sidelines. There's also Nathan Ake, who's been out injured in the last few months, back end of last season. It does feel a bit like there's a, a there's a curse on at least one of them. Um, thankfully, not more than one, but is there anything to it? I, I, I don't think so. Um. I've got you see I've got a very confused face on me at the moment because I'm just trying to quantify if my hunch is right but most top sides seem to have injury problems across the back line these days and I don't know if there's some kind of link here between the sheer size of these guys and the pace of the game that they're playing at but you, know, you think about Liverpool Matip last season had injury problems Van Dijk mm. of course well documented injury problems Canate well documented injury problems Joe Gomez as well Going over to United, Varane has had some time out. Um, Martinez hasn't, but he doesn't fit the bill for the size aspect that we're talking about. Um, Every week. <laughs> Every week. Disappointed, but not surprised. But it, but it is true. It is true. Um, Maguire obviously has had some injury issues. Lindelof has had some injury issues. He doesn't fit the bill for um, being a centre-half, though, does he, Harry well, Maguire? So. There you go. Um but it is true, uh, and yeah. I'm just wondering if this is a wider Premier League problem and game management and just sheer workload on these guys. Uh, the other thing is that some players are just injury-prone, right? John Stones has always had trouble uh, mm-hmm. with his fitness. Ake has had niggly little injuries as well. Um, it, it just happens. But I think it's more obvious because we play with three or even four centre-backs. So when we are missing one, it's it, it's just more immediately mm. obvious to us. Whereas with yeah. other clubs that are playing two and if one's out, it's like, it was fine because we've got, still got two and we've got another one or two on the bench. But with us, there's a bit more tinkering that we need to do because we have a small squad, but a lot of centre-backs on the pitch at once. Um, I, I don't think there's a particular issue here. We we know that our players are well looked after. We have a very good injury record compared to the rest of the league um, in terms of days missed and games missed. So I, I just think it's a bit of bad luck mixed in with what might be a modern trend in football with centre-halves. To further that point, actually, it's interesting. It got me thinking, 
it's it's a position that bar from a starting eleven is is rarely rotated mid game. Obviously, we've seen it now and again. You know, Gavardio coming on at Burnley, for example, Laporte as well. But very rarely will you get to the seventy five minute mark where your team's two 0 up, and you'll bring on a new centre half. They, they they tend to be without any real statistics. They tend to be the sort of players who who played the full ninety minutes, and and there isn't that sort of you know like a midfielder would get rotated out. So I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Probably one for the science guys to to look into if there is any direct correlation. But I guess Luke, is there any centre back in that list that you would rather you know if you had your your uh, injury uh, avoidance potion? Who who is the most crucial one for City? Who is the one that needs to stay fit? For me, I think it's probably Ruben Diaz. But City without John Stones, going back to the formation, it, it feels like Guardiola's invented a new system in John Stones's his recent absence. He probably is the most important in terms of that side of things. Uh, I guess you could probably say and make a case for any of them. Akanji barely missed the game, so he's he's obviously very important. City just have good players. It's the conclusion <laughs> we're at here, isn't it? I like that. City are good. There we go. Yeah, there's your yeah. answer to your Full question. Stop. Enjoy. Um, but I, I like John Stones is the one for me mainly because he bridges the gap between defence and attack perfectly. He's the best in the world at doing it. We were talking before about sort of like the getting to Haaland, getting the balls into Haaland. Rodri and, literally Rodri and Stones are going to be crucial for that. They're the ones that can see a pass that no, not many people can see. They've got view of the whole pitch. We work well at the back. We work well pushing forward and that's just how it is. But also you need to think about it from a biological sort of landscape as well for the injuries. Like majority of our centre halves are what, six foot two, six foot three plus. They're all built like brick shit houses, to be honest with you. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, having that much tension on your legs is gonna create muscle problems. That's just natural. Also, centre halves are not like your centre mids. They're not constantly moving around all the time, box to box. A lot of the times they're gonna be doing short sort of burst of speed. Again, it can create muscle problems. It's just how it works. That's why in a squad, you have an abundance of centre-halves because injuries do happen. I don't think we've got an injury problem. We are the luckiest team in the world right now. We have got probably five centre-halves that get into 19 out of the 20 sides in England. It is ridiculous the amount of centre-halves we have. So all I would say to the listeners is don't panic. No matter who's going to come in, they're all unbelievable at football it's interesting you line it up because our, our next question is about mr imeric laporte it comes from prof am and they ask luke you can you can take it straight away because you brought up the the fact that our abundance of center halves looks like we're about to lose one they ask how are we not getting more funds for laporte he feels like he makes any champions league squad now his move to Al Nasser in Saudi Arabia at the time of recording hasn't been confirmed, but it looks as if we're at a stage where it will be in the next sort of 24, 48 hours. I believe it's about £30 million, which, considering some of the money that's been flying about this transfer window, granted, it's to Saudi Arabia. It's taken him off his contract for the next two years, which is a lot of money, and he's also earning around £400,000 tax-free, by the way, uh, per week in Saudi Arabia. But as far as transfer fees go, 30 million quid isn't a lot for a player of his quality, is it? Not really, no. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of centre-halves in world football now who are very, very good. 
there's an abundance of them, like I said. So I can understand why he's not in as hot demand as we previously thought, probably last season, towards the back end of the season, where we knew he was probably going to be parting ways. Um, the transfer fee, £30 million, it's an okay fee for us. I wouldn't say it's exceptional, it's okay for, for us as a club. But also, it's you need to think of it as a bigger picture. Like Man City are not the easiest club to negotiate with. We, we've learnt this. We are very, very stubborn. And are we going to sell him at a cut price to Liverpool, to Man United, to Arsenal? No. We're not going to strengthen a rival. We're not Tottenham. We're not going to sell all our best players to our rivals. It doesn't happen. We're not doing a Carl Walker. Daniel Levy, if he's watching, he's probably sat there going... <laughs> um, but it's, it's not it's not going to happen. We're quite business, sort of like astute. We, we're not stupid. We see football mm. as a business as well. We were going to push him abroad. I feel like that was the designated route for them. But again, the big teams abroad are all having money problems. Well, not all of them, but majority are having money problems. And I'm Eric Laporte is going to come and he's going to slap down his 200k a week that he wants. He's going to slap his stupid sign-on bonus, which is going to be in the millions. Then you've got the fee. He's an expensive player to have, so I can appreciate why other clubs are not straight away going in there for him. Mm. Um, so I feel like the move to Saudi Arabia is probably going to be the one that will happen and probably going to be the best move for everybody. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly an interesting point. Um, it had Barcelona all over it for a, for a number of years, ever since that sort of discontent after the 2022 season sort of came about and he wasn't playing as much as he should have been obviously their financial problems are well documented is this then oliver is this a, is this a good deal for city because we know his quality and we learned the mistake uh you know luke saying that we don't sell to premier league rivals well apart from gabriel jesus and zinchenko of course and, and we saw what happened arsenal when arrival player uh, well well now then now then <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> We've already had enough bait from, uh, from this show already. But, you know, <laughs> I've lost my train of thought there. Uh, but yeah, say, you know, City learned that mistake. Send him off to, not only to a non-European club, but over to Saudi Arabia where they can't even face each other in the Club World Cup. Not not yet anyway. Um, it's Is it a good outcome for City? £30 million? What's that? You know, it, it takes the net transfer for Gvardiol, Laporte to sort of plus 40 million spent I guess when you put it like that it, it puts it into perspective and it isn't that uh, that that sort of that worrying yeah I, I think it's a good deal all round firstly 30 million in the bank that we're actually going to get paid I think we're still waiting for the money from Barca and Ferran Torres mm. so that's number one number two the wages how long did he have left on his contract was it two years two years yeah end of next two season. years at 200k a week ish around that yeah. around that yeah so about 10 million a year two years 20 million so we're up to 50 saved and then the opportunity cost if you will of if he did go to a rival and strengthen them to the point where they beat us the title that's another however many million mm. loss so i know that one's a bit kind of pie in the sky numbers wise but it's true so we've got 50 million of quantifiable cash um and we haven't strengthened anyone. He's happy. We're happy. His legacy is intact, which you know, I, I made a very early shout, maybe back in February, March, that I think he could end up at United, um, which wouldn't have done him any favours whatsoever. So, 
Yeah, I think fans can be happy that he's not going to strengthen a rival, that, he, that he's not going to be pulling on another shirt of a club that we don't really like. The club can be happy that he's not going to strengthen a rival. Um, the club's accountants can be happy that we're going to have money mm-hmm. in the bank to put towards the signings that were brought in. And he can be happy because he walks away a treble, with treble winner. Uh, he's been an amazing servant to the club and now he's going to go and secure the bag and make money that he can live on for... You know, him, his kids, his kids, kids, and his kids, kids, kids. So, good deal all round. Good deal all round, and he can afford a lot of kids. The only thing that <laughs> the only the only people that won't be happy or shouldn't be happy are fans of rival clubs. If I'm an Arsenal fan, a Newcastle fan, a Man United fan, a Barca fan, a Madrid fan, a PSG fan, all of these top European clubs, I am pissed off that they didn't go mm. balls to the wall for this guy because he is an elite centre half. He's still a very reasonable age. He's proven he can do it at the top level. He brings winning experience. Um, he's a fantastic player. So I think the only only people that are going to be unhappy about this deal are the ones that will see him as uh, the one that got away. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And, and that sounds like a good place to finish part one. Join us after this short break as we continue some of your listener questions. The NFL is here, and it's all about the sweet offers from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just 5 bucks on any NFL game. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code FIELDGOAL to sign up. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Welcome back to the City Report podcast. As always, as I said at the top of the show, if you are new around here, follow, subscribe, etc. Also, if you can, head over to our Twitter, the pin tweet. We're looking to get nominated for one of the Football Content Awards in the category Best Premier League Podcast. Now, you don't have to think we are the Best Premier League Podcast to vote for us. You just have to vote for us. Um, that's how it works. Right, okay. Uh, some more questions then, and they're a little bit more lighthearted from this point. Um, we'll start with this one for part two. From MCFC Ads. Luke, you can take it. When Pep leaves, when that cold day sort of ushers in and, and we're all there with our handkerchiefs waving him goodbye, albeit he won't be at the uh, the match this weekend, of course, having had a back problem and, and back surgery. So maybe this is a taste of what's to come. But MCFC Ads asks... When Pep leaves, would you rather deserve company or someone else? Now, obviously, there's, there's not a lot of detail we can go into this because it could be one year's time, it could be five years' time. But as things stand, where are you leaning? Yeah, it's very pie in the sky, isn't it? Um, to be honest with you, uh, deserve is probably the standout shout for me. If not, probably Arteta. <laughs> 
I'd love Arteta, I <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. the fume if Mikel Arteta was... Imagine how perfect it would be, how the storyline of, obviously, he's trained under Pep, he's learnt the way, he's gone to Arsenal to hone his craft, nearly won it, comes to City and wins it. He bottled the title, yeah, imagine he bottled the title with Arsenal. it would be a dream scenario for everybody but Arsenal. It'd be amazing, everyone would love it. And he will do really well with City squad. He just will, he's a similar sort of manager. He's a, he's a motivator as well. He'll bring in the youth through, which is, is exactly what we need, really. But mm. is he going to do it? Mm, unsure. But yes, Deserby is another one where we've seen his tactical now, so that Brighton, like, he's, it's, it's sensational watching them. They are, in my opinion, the most exciting team to watch in the Premier League currently. I love watching him. Matoma is just a delight. I never know what he's going to do. It's it's just great. And also, he makes these tweaks and changes mid-game to Zerbi, which are quite well. Like He's doing it a lot with Milner at the moment. He started him, bringing him off, shifting him around. He's starting at right back, shifting to midfield. It's great to watch. Like, it, it is for a, for a football nerd, it's beautiful. Um, so, yeah, either Arteta or Deserby for me to bring in. Interesting, interesting. Uh, one shout that I'd like to put into the realms of potential Pep success for successors, Oliver. Um, Martin Demichelis, remember him? And I'm not even taking the piss. The I'm dream. not joking. The no, 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 he's doing really well in South he's, America. No, no, he, yeah, he, with River Plate. He, is, he yeah. is, yeah, but imagine the, imagine the concourse if Martin Demichelis came in. <laughs> I would lose my shit for a week. I would. My work would just ring but me being do you know where what? I Some, Somehow... <laughs> somehow that's more likely to happen right the story of company mm, a club legend yeah. coming back to a managerial legend is is too perfect i feel like in football you are more likely to get a situation where this memeable cult hero that came in to do a job and didn't do the job spectacularly well but then actually comes back and establishes himself as a real hero is that's that's mm. just pure Barclays. That that for me is more like the more likely outcome than uh, than company. And, and I don't know if people have seen him, but he actually he looks younger now than he did when he was in his playing career with that god awful ponytail. Like genuinely, you look at him now; he looks like a mafia boss. He's suave. <laughs> he's in. I think he's in like a sort of all black suit, a Diego Simeone style all black suit. He, he's the man. He's cool. And you know, I'm all aboard the Martin Demichelis to replace Pep Train. Um, tickets at the ready. Um, okay then, Luke. Next question from Daniel MCFC zero four. Can you rank? this season's outfield kits in order of best to worst. So oh. we've obviously, it's, it's uh, for those listening on the podcast, home kit is the sort of 2003-04 throwback. The away kit is the one we played at Burnley, white, coloured, maroon details. And the third kit uh, is... The third kit. Um, rank them. I, I may have already just did it myself then. Yeah, the third kit is third. I've got no idea who's designed that, but fair enough. I've got no words to say about that. When it, when it got released, everyone's reaction was, right, moving on. Okay. Um, yeah. Um, the, the away kit's growing on me. I would say, I, I like the away kit. I'd say away kit's number one. I, it's growing on me. When, when I first saw Number one? When I first saw it, I thought it was a pile of shit. <laughs> and it is, I, and then at, at Burnley, I don't know. I just, I like the detailing on it. It, it has grown on me a lot. I like weird and wonderful kits. And I think City are, 
City have had quite a few weird and wonderful kids that have become synonymous. For example, Oliver Kirsch, wearing the email Mapenza special right there. Um, so <laughs> the benefit of the tape is the uh, traffic cone colour. 0708. 08-09 third kit. Bright orange with yellow and black accents. It is In a other dream. words, an abomination. An <laughs> that's, absolute that's, that's abomination. Diff- that's two different <laughs> opinions right there. Yeah. And also, the main reason why I'm going to put um, City's home kit as second is just because I preferred last year's kit. Last year's kit is just now going to be mm. synonymous with that is the kit I'm going to think yeah. of as Man City's kit now. I think it is just iconic for me. So that's probably why. And yeah. Get me that away shirt. DH gate, the lot. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because uh, following up from last season's home kit, both visually and with what City won in it, is is the impossible job. It is the perfect kit for multiple reasons now. But I actually think I'm not going to say I'm not going to say this season's is nicer because it's not. That would be a lie. But had this sort of had we had one this year and this season's came out next year, I think people are talking about that as an instant classic. Um, Oliver Kirsch, this season's free kits, outfield, home, away, third. Are you? Are you uh, I'm, I'm quite shocked. In, in that order, the away. In yeah, that, yeah, in I, yeah. I thought yeah. that was a, a simple a simple decision. I'm, I'm pretty shocked Luke's gone for the away kit first. Yeah, no, in that order for me. Um, the I think part of the reason I love the home kit is that it just takes me back to the first season at the Etihad because mm. 0203 we we tarnished the legacy of Main Road by wearing a laser blue mm. for its final couple of seasons. Yeah. I think kind of 01 around 2000. We we were just getting darker and darker in our shades of blue from kind of like. 99 2000 through 2003 and we, by the end by the time we got to 2003 we had that dark laser blue kit and the first season at the etihad marked or city manchester stadium as it was officially known or eastlands as it was affectionately known marked also a return to our own sky blue with those subtle vertical stripes and I, this season's kit is kind of a reimagining of that and I think the most iconic goal we scored in that kit was Trevor Sinclair to make it 3-1 against United. First derby at the Etihad. Not the Sean Wright Phillips from the same game. I mean, that's my, that's the goal from my childhood, which is just imprinted no, forever. No, for, for me, it was Sinclair's. It yeah, I was, I was at that end as well. I was in the family stand. That was sensational. What, giving it large no. as a three-year-old? Oh, mate, giving it large. I think like, no, it was four. Four, four or five, oh, I, right. I remember. In, in which case? In no, which it was, case, it was Trevor on. Sinclair's for me because he was a Whitefield lad. So he grew up near right. where I grew up, and yeah. he's he was obviously a City fan as well from young, and it was it was his celebration, I remember. And I think if you go back and look at the post-match interviews from after that game, it was like, what did it feel like to score against you know, your boyhood club's mm. local rivals, United? And he said, oh, better than sex. <laughs> so, like, kind of everything everything about that goal was just that game, that goal, that kit. Uh, you so, have now yeah, I've just got, created I've got a, lot of a comment of us calling us virgins now. You have now just created <laughs> that, Ollie. They're now going to be like, you're all virgins. <laughs> Why? <laughs> really, trust me, the comments will be flying in. Ollie, hashtag Ollie Kirsch oh, is a virgin. Him. <laughs> it was amazing, Trevor Sinclair. Now that that that's why the kit's so iconic for me. It was the return to the return to the Etihad. Uh, sorry, return to the Sky Blue first mm. season at the Etihad. Trevor Sinclair's goal against the Rags, four uh, one first victory, first derby 
against them at the new stadium. All of that. And now we're marking 20 years at the Etihad with that reimagining of the kit. So, yeah, I like it. I like it. And also, it's been very on theme because last season we had that tribute to Colin Bell as well, mm. kind of harking back to the past. Um, we, we've had this theme going recently of, of kind of looking back at our past with these kits that we're doing amazing things in now. So, yeah, I'm all, I'm all for the home kit. I love it. Maybe next season we can pay tribute to Nolito or Wilfred Boney or someone like that from yesteryear. But um, my ranking then, I'm going to go home, third kit, second, away kit, last, oh, without context. Christ. I don't like the away kit. I don't like the colour. I think the, the concept's really nice. Uh, the colours are great. I just cannot stand the colour. It's giving off... 1970s policeman you know you see an old like axe you go to your granddad's as a young boy and he's got itv4 on and it's like a police drama and it's just a camera a room filled with smoke the camera can't even see and they've just got policemen with collars out i, I, I don't know i don't like it but um i'm sure plenty of people will have different opinions so let us know on social media of course uh guys we'll finish up with this question then from the kipax kid and it might be the most unhinged question we've ever had on a listener question special. It goes as follows. Luke, you can take it up first. If a trio of City players were tasked with performing life-saving brain surgery on you, which three would you choose and why? Well, definitely not Edison. Imagine <laughs> Edison doing brain surgery. He'd like... But would he be like very calm under pressure? Surely that's what you need as a, a brain surgeon. You need someone who's just going to be very precise and very unflustered. Surely he fits the bill. As I come to think of it, surely he is He, he is. is the man. I mean, goalkeepers are known for being loose cannons. <laughs> and I, I, he fits the bill. He, he, I've got no idea what he's going to do when, he, when he's got the ball <laughs> at his feet. Yeah, alone when he's in my head. Let's be serious here. You've got to go for the sensible lads, aren't you? You've got a Ruben Diaz, he's in there. He's going to organise everything. He's already got the tools lined up on his tray. Anti-back, whatever they do to... <laughs> they've got the sterile, ster the sterile kit everywhere. brain yeah. surgery yeah. takes place with anti-dental, anti-back Yeah, maybe not that. I meant like sterile kit. He's got everything already lined up. He's there ready and waiting. I feel like... Oh, I don't know. You, bit, you, bit of a spell, bit of a spell. Fetch the bleach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, judging by some opinions I see on Twitter, they might be bleaching some brains. <laughs> Let's just say that. Um, and then John Stones is probably a good one in there as well. I feel like he's very calm under pressure. Um, he has a very play, playful side. He's fun side, but I feel like when he That's gets not serious, what you want from a brain when, surgeon? Hang on, when he gets serious, he's Ooh. serious. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! Don't drop the scalpel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. <laughs> could be a good laugh. Um, and then oh, I don't know. I'll just say Jack Grealish for vibes. Uh, if I go, if I'm going Fucking out, hell, if, no, if you're I'm going mate. out, I'm going, <laughs> you're going out. Yeah, but if I'm going out, I'm going out well. That's all I want to know. So we've got Ru Ru Ruben Diaz with the anti back wipes. We've got John Stones, he's <laughs> yeah. a bit playful. I he's going to do the, people. Let's not. Is, like and he's, we've got John Stones, he's playful, and he's going to do the pinch challenge with the scalpel <laughs> above the brain. And then we've got Grealish coming in, absolutely off his fucking rockers from the night before. <laughs> What is this? Right, so I'm, I'm thinking about it more selfishly. So what I do is I stick a camera up in the corner of the room, <laughs> film it for City Report podcast, we'll go viral, we'll win the football content awards, Amos will love me even if I'm dead. I don't care. I, I'll have a shirt named after me. I'm a king. 
Yeah, yeah, we'll retire a spot on the show. Um, <laughs> right, do you want the proper answer? Certainly, <laughs> certainly wouldn't be here. Yes, because um, Ruben Diaz, it started off all right, but I do think he can be quite I won't lie, my ADHD kicked in, and I just lost my train of thought, and I thought, I'm just going to piss it um, But yeah, let's go, for, let, let's go for who we actually think would be decent at Brodery. Surely yes. we're yes. all going Rodri. Well, he is the brains, isn't he? He is the brains. He's the brain of the team. He was at uni while he was at Atletico. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wasn't he? Um, what did he do well, at uni? He didn't, he's not a brain yeah. surgeon, though, is he, Ollie? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he's a studious guy. You know, he'd be prepared. He'd be he'd ready. Put a YouTube, he'd put a YouTube tutorial on it. That's him. what he'd you want. Do it Here in five we go. Minutes. Just give me a minute. Let me just watch a YouTube tutorial on it. You know, it's got to be Rodgers. Yeah, Nathan Ake. I feel like he's 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 up there, isn't he? Yeah, he's the man you trust with your life in your hands. Yeah, possibly. Um, Or Phil Foden, very good in tight spaces. Yes, true, true. Very steady and calm. Yeah, maybe not in brain in in a brain operation. Um, going back to I think Edison, just that kanji. He could do the calculations. Yeah, perhaps. A kanji's a shout. But he'd be, he'd be just, the uh, anaesthetist, right? He'd be yeah, body yeah. mass and yeah. He'd, he'd, that. be, he'd, be, he'd be the nurse afterwards checking up on you, making sure yeah. your bloods and your your heart rate and whatnot are yeah. back up to scratch. Um, but yeah, I'm going Edison. I think he's just that sort of that very sort of lucid, very calm, very emotionless uh, figure. Um, he looks scared. He looked frightened. We're both shocked. We've got no idea. I think absolutely. I'd rather have Taker or Scott Carson, to be honest, over Edison. I would absolutely would not want Scott Carson. Got life experience. Bizarre shouts here. Oh, my God. Any Anyone we've missed then? Because, I mean... I mean, how would it be shit? Let's just be honest. I'm not I'm not really feeling Harlan. Not feeling Alvarez. I'm not feeling... No, I'm certainly not feeling Jack Grealish. Kovacic, we don't know enough about him, really, do we? Gvardiol, based on his introduction interview, barely even knows his own name, let alone how to, how, how to do it. He's in the Jack Grealish school of learning. Let's <laughs> leave it, guys. Uh, Oliver, um, any more questions? Why don't you give a question to the listeners for them to answer? We'll do a, a, a contributor question special. You can fire in your answers in the next episode. A question. Um, wow, this is tough. This is tough just, just kind of off the cuff. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a really interesting profession. Which player is the best chef? That's what I want to know. Yeah. Riyadh's gone. Riyadh's yeah. gone and, you know, we had the Riyadh pasta. That's mm. So uh, who's, who's going to take over? Which player would you trust to make you a five-star meal to take mm. your partner out to? Mm, nice um listeners fire some answers across for that luke thank you very much um i'm certainly not letting you pick my brain surgeons if i ever go into a coma (laughs) and need uh help you will be staying very far away but in terms of the episode it's been a lot of fun thank you very much all about the vibes people all about the vibes as the noisy neighbors podcast say expected vibes off the scale um until then guys until next time sorry we'll see you later Make sure you're geared up for Man City's end-of-season running with McDelivery. 
great food delivered right to your door. By using McDelivery, you won't miss a moment of City's crucial running, and just like Kevin De Bruyne, they deliver your order exactly where you want it. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants only, 18 and plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.